The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Joshua Vinnie. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let's uh, pray as we open God's Word together. Dear Heavenly Father, We ask that uh, as you um, promise in your word that uh, it will not return void, and so through your Spirit will you apply it to us, and uh, may we see here uh, what it is you have for us to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be rebuked and corrected. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open with me to Genesis 46. And the first seven verses of 46 will be our text, but I'll start reading back in verse chapter 45. Um, we will uh, go back to verse 21. We'll start there. Um, so, hear the word of God. Uh, Actually, let's, uh, we'll start with verse 24. So this is Joseph to his brothers as he's sending them up to his father. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to the, their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, Enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob! And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, And I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters. All his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. As some of you know, I'm uh, very interested in the sacrificial ceremonial system as uh, as we teach it in uh, Pentateuch. And... Uh, So I actually chose this text because it's the only place we have a sacrifice 
to God, that, that phrasing is used in the book of Genesis. Uh, you do have the word sacrifice used one other time of, of Jacob, and it's more of a complete concluding uh, ceremony for his uh, covenant with Laban. Uh, there are, of course, other references to offerings. Uh, you have Cain and Abel's tribute at the beginning, Noah's burnt offering, uh, and, uh, and then the ram that is offered as that burnt offering in place of Isaac. Uh, but you don't find this word sacrifice, and we'll, we'll uh, mention it again later. Um, you also have the patriarchs building altars. That's what you see um, at numerous places in the book of Genesis, though we're never told exactly what they do with those altars, um, though it certainly seems that we can imply they offered uh, animals and other things upon them. But as I meditated on this, that maybe is what drew me to it. As I meditated on it, I was struck by really how pivotal this text is in the book of Genesis. It's easy to skim past it because we're somewhat more interested in the, the personal story of Joseph, and he's now alive, and, and so now his dad's been told, and he's going down, Jacob's on his way. But in the midst of that, Jacob pauses in his journey, and he offers this sacrifice, and God responds with this vision. And so why is that important? What does it tell us? about Jacob especially. And, and we'll, we'll think especially on two things, the, the timing of his sacrifice and then the reason for it. And the first thing, I think, is this timing. We should notice that in this passage, Genesis 46, Jacob is the one to seek out the Lord first by sacrifice. And as you review the life of Jacob, that should be somewhat surprising. You see how unique that is. Jacob is this story of God's relentless pursuing grace uh, after this sinner. Jacob is the one who's fleeing from Canaan as uh, Esau's mad at him for stealing his, his uh, blessing and, and uh, deceiving him out of his birthright. And God is the one who comes to him in that vision at Bethel and says he will be with him, he will bring him back, uh, he will give him this land. And Jacob then responds to God's vision with that vow, if you'll do that, then I'll um, give you of what I have. And Jacob's time then away is, is uh, um, one of hardship in many ways. And, and uh, um, it's God again who calls him back to the land. Uh, God comes to him and says, leave, leave your father-in-law Laban and, uh, and return. Uh, and so he does, he comes back and, and he sees how God has, has been providing for him there. But it is somewhat still striking once he gets back in the land, it's God again who comes and prompts him, go back to Bethel, fulfill that vow that uh, you gave uh, that you made as you were leaving, uh, God comes and prompts to him. Uh, and so I think we should see the, the uniqueness within Jacob's life of 
the ordering here that Jacob is now the one seeking God through sacrifice. Uh, and the transformation that has happened in his, in his life. He's now old. He's nearing death. He's endured much sorrow. He's just heard this most surprising report, though, in many ways reviving him. Joseph is alive. And as we read just a little bit before our text, the, uh, the brief account that Joseph's brothers bring back to their father, what's recorded there much is left out. Uh, it doesn't mention earlier all the, the riches that Pharaoh had promised to bestow and other things like that. Instead, the focus is just on Joseph. The pursuit of wealth that consumed Jacob earlier and, and, um, and that antagonism that the brothers had with Joseph, much of that is now gone away as they focus on this one thought dead that's now been restored, uh, who has come back to life for Jacob. And so, so Jacob says, it's enough, I'll go see him, and he packs everything up. All of his worldly possessions. And he heads to Beersheba. Uh, Beersheba was one place that his father Isaac had made an altar. And there he sacrifices to his father, to the God of his father Isaac. And that term sacrifice, we usually make it into a generic, uh, but it more often is speaking of a particular Type of sacrifice. Uh, it, uh, we have our, our other, the whole burnt offering. Well, this, this uh, term that's translated here, sacrifice, this is usually the one where just the fat portion is burned up and uh, the rest of the animal is eaten. Uh, and so it's in many ways like that communal meal. Uh, and so Jacob, as he's about ready to leave Canaan, he comes and and, and he comes to seek God out by this sacrifice. And so now we could think, well, why is he doing that? Uh, why did he bring this sacrifice? And the narrator doesn't help us out. He doesn't tell us the explicits there. We might think it's reasonable to conclude that he was rather grateful um, in many ways, he just had his son return from the dead through this news, and he'll, he'll later, later marvel at how merciful God is that he allows him not only to see uh, his son Joseph, but even Joseph's children. Uh, but when we see the vision that comes after it, how God responds, I think we can then see what Jacob's concerns were his motivations, and it's um, other than just gratitude. And as we, as we look at those couple verses there, we do notice that, that uh, God mentions Joseph. It's all the way at the end there. Verse 4, uh, Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Yes, that, that part of the journey will be successful. But he first addresses another concern. Another concern that Jacob seems to have. So verse 3 there, after he calls him, he says, I am God, the God 
of your fathers, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. Uh, and then why not? For I will be there. I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. Why was he afraid to go down to Egypt? Why would this cause him fear? Uh, his son, this one that came back from the dead in many ways, was down there. You would think that would be all that's on his mind. But as we reflect, we should remember going down to Egypt because of a famine. doesn't have a great track record in the book of Genesis. Uh, you go back to Abraham, and he came in faith to Canaan, and the first famine that's there, he abandons the land and runs down to Egypt. And not only that, he hides behind the beauty of his wife, Sarah, uh, and pawns her off as his sister. Uh, and it takes God bringing a plague in order to get Sarah back for Abraham and get them back to Canaan. Uh, and then we have another famine that comes later uh, during the time of Isaac, and, and, and he in many ways is on his way down to Egypt, and God says, no, don't go down there because I have a promise for you here in this land this will be the land given to you where your descendants will be. And I think based on what God says here to Jacob, his fear isn't so much physical safety in Egypt. He's old anyway, about to die. Uh, it's that promise. Was he abandoning God, this God of his father's, was he forsaking this blessing by going to Egypt? God had promised him descendants, and he certainly had the sons to prove that. They had been fruitful in that. But he had also promised him this land, this land that you're on. And now in our text, every member of that covenant community and every possession that they owned is now in the carts going down to Egypt, leaving Canaan this land of promise. And Jacob knew that he was soon to die. He wouldn't be the one to return to bring them back. His children would be relocated there. They would be making this new home in Egypt. Would they ever come back? All that he had been working for as he had gotten the birthright and the blessing, his convite, all of his, um, his striving, by earthly standards it seems that it would be for naught as he walks away from this land. And God's word to Jacob in the vision addresses all of those concerns. He says, no, Egypt is part of the plan. It's where this nation will grow, where you will become a nation. And just as when Jacob had left uh, Canaan as he fled from Esau, God say, gives him a similar promise here of he will be with him. He will go out there, he will be with him, and he will bring him back. Emphasizing that. There's a unique form there used to really give emphasis for sure, 
uh, I will bring you back. Um, and as we, as we think of all the yous there in, the, in those verses three, 3 and 4, we really need to see them. They are singular, but they are Jacob as he's representing his descendants. Uh, he personally will not make it back, but that nation that he becomes, uh, God will be with that nation. God will bring it back. And so God here in this vision is assuring Jacob in his fear that these promises, they are still true despite all appearances. It seems like a strange way to bring about this promise of a land by having a famine drive everybody out of the land, Jacob and all his family. Will leaving the land really be the way that they gain the land? This one, Jacob, who had striven, had tried through his trickery uh, to get the birthright and the blessing, who had wrestled with God and men, he's now being called upon by God to depend totally upon God to bring about this promise as he leaves behind this land to go sojourn in Egypt. And in light of that, it's helpful to notice how God calls to Jacob in verse 2. Notice he says, Jacob, Jacob. And he says, here am I. And there's one other place where a patriarch is called twice by his name. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, I don't want to overdo the parallel, but I do think we should see the similarity. As each patriarch is placed in a situation that seems to run counter to the promises of God, each was called to walk in faith that God would accomplish what he promised despite circumstances to the contrary. Abraham was shown the solution as God restrained that knife and he saw the ram stuck in the bushes. But Jacob, he would go on, he would live 17 years in Egypt, far beyond the years of the famine. And he would not see that return. Uh, He would insist that his body be brought there uh, in anticipation. It It would only be hundreds of years later that God would call Moses from a burning bush to lead back this nation that had grown, this nation that in many ways at that time didn't want to leave. And yet God would accomplish it. And so we see God is faithful to his promises. And Jacob had learned that. He had learned to depend upon him. And thus, after this vision of the night, Jacob arises and he travels to Egypt in faith. And so may this story, this end in many ways of this transformation of God's grace of Jacob, may it encourage us in our struggles, in our strivings, 
And may we also learn to walk in faith after our promise-keeping God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you show us in your word weak, frail, sinful people like we are, and how you have loved them and how you, uh, by that, how you love us. And so uh, may we be encouraged in that, uh, strengthened in our faith, and as we see your promises fulfilled again and again in Scripture, uh, may we turn back to that in our times of doubt, our times of struggle, uh, knowing that in Jesus every promise is yes and amen. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.